Hello and welcome to the Cost Per Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles. Now, this, is, of course, is the very first episode of the podcast, and I'm going to explain a little bit about how this setup is going to work. First of all, I'm going to be hosting each episode, but I'm going to get a new guest with me every time, and we're just going to talk Ottawa Senators. Uh, I feel like there isn't really enough Sens podcasts out there, so I just wanted to start one uh, before the 2016-17 season. And as for the name of the podcast, if, if uh, you're unaware of the reference, it's a reference to uh, owner Eugene Melnick saying that it doesn't matter how much we spend on the budget, all that matters is the cost per point for each player, which uh, the Senators actually do quite well in. Cost per point has been a term to sort of mock ourselves as Sens fans, so I kind of liked uh, naming the podcast this. Also, shout out to Matty Gosens on Twitter, who was extremely nice as he created the logo for the podcast, since I have zero artistic ability. And anyway, enough of the intros. The first guest I invited on here is Sens Twitter favorite and my Silver 7 Sens colleague, Callum Fraser. Callum, how's it going, man? Sens Twitter favorite. I don't, I don't know if I'm a favorite or anyone, but uh, yeah, great to be on, man. Thanks for having me on as your, uh, your first guest. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I can speak for myself Wait. that, uh, that you're a Sens Twitter favorite and uh, <laughs> your uh, follower count will say that as well. So uh, most people probably know you from the Sens blogosphere, but tell the 10 listeners out there your exciting news from the past week. Exciting news. Well, today I actually had my first day at CFRA. Uh, last week, I was uh, given a, a, a job offer to work there as a news writer in Bordop. I'm super excited to be within the, the Bell Media family. Um, and uh, yeah, continuing to do that. And in the meantime, we'll, this summer, we'll be doing a lot of um, a lot of Sens prospect coverage and the Battle of Ontario radio show that I host. And uh, I guess uh, if you want to have me on later, this show. Yeah, that's really awesome to hear. Uh, definitely, it would uh, be awesome to have you on later on as well in the season. Anyway, uh, the NHL draft was on Friday and Saturday. We're recording on a Monday here. Um, first of all, just wanted to get your thoughts on the Senators moving up from the 12th pick to the 11th pick, and they gave up the 80th selection to the Devils in order to do that. Logan Brown aside, just purely talking draft value, what did you think of that move? Well, there's two things I think you can look at. Um, the one funny thing is is that uh, Shane Prince's um, impact, I guess, on the Senators is now one single uh, draft spot since uh, that was the pick that we traded away uh, with the seventh rounder and Shane Prince to get the third round pick, uh, and that was to the Devil. So that's that's kind of funny how that works out. The other thing is, I, looking at it, I, I feel like the Sens had to must have known, like someone must have talked with the Devils and know that they were taking Brown because I don't think you just play that as a hunch. I think that definitely like whoever it was, Dorian Murray or Bob Lowe's or whoever was talking with someone in the Devils organization, like, I don't think you do that just because you think that they might take Brown. I think that they must have known. Um, the other thing is, like, they must have really valued Brown um, as a guy. I don't, I don't know how much we could talk about locality because, you know, he has family ties here. His dad coaches the right. 67s <laughs> But you know what? Like, it, it worked out once with Carlson. It worked out with a couple of the guys where they, they moved up uh, to get their guy. Um, and I think you just got to hope that it works out this time. But I, I do, I do like Brown. If you want to get into that now, um, I do really, really like the guy. I mean, I, I talked to his dad uh, a couple of days ago, and um, one of the things that that it's very rare to see in, in top draft picks is a guy that is so unselfish and that is so uh, such a great playmaker. Because um, you usually see a lot of uh, snipers, skaters, 
um, you know, uh, defensemen that, that have a really good touch with the puck. And, but it, it's nice to see that, um, you know, a big guy with such unselfish and great playmaking abilities. And the one thing that we, we actually talked about, we had this coach Warren Reichel on, on the Battle of Ontario, um, is that the one thing you just want to wring his neck because he doesn't shoot enough. <laughs> have you seen much of much of him? I have not. I haven't really seen much of um, of his play. But the good thing is he's he's a huge guy. He's six foot six, but he isn't really known for his size. So. I mean, he's no more of a playmaker. Um, I saw some comparisons to Joe Thornton. Obviously, that's a that's probably yeah, a bit that's of a, a stretch. Yeah, very good comparison. But um, yeah. yeah, when's the last time you saw Joe Thornton throw a big body check, right? But he's like six nine or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> yeah, and um, I've seen a lot of things talking about the fact that the Senators must have seen Brown as sort of that last top tier kind of player. You sort of had you know the top three, and then you had yeah, maybe fair. the next four after that with Kachuk, Ulevi. Uh, those guys and then Brown was sort of in the mix there with like Keller and Jost um, and apparently not Chikrin which was really weird right yeah I um, heard a lot about people saying like that is his character was lacking or something like that but he fell 10 spots from where I thought he was going yeah, to be I mean, actually six, he went 16th like earlier in the year he was there was a chance he could legitimately go number 2 or number 3 so um, yes. Logan Brown I'm definitely fine with the pick it was pretty costly to move up just one spot, and I don't I don't really know if the Devils were going to take him. I think the Senators were just so worried that he was going to be gone because I don't know who they would have taken after that um, if Brown had been taken. I guess they would have gone after Jake Bean, but they must have saw that Brown was sort of that last top-tier centerman. Uh, Michael McLeod uh, went 12th to the Devils as well after that. But he isn't really seen as that top-tier kind of guy, kind of underwhelmed uh, with the point totals there. So it is interesting that a lot of times when the Senators want a guy, they'll trade up for him. They trade it up for Carlson. But also keep in mind, they trade it up for Matt Pumple. And he hasn't, I mean, he's still young, but he hasn't really turned out. They also traded for, up for Gabriel Gagne last year. Had a bit, bit of a rough year in the QMJHL last year. So... I'll trust their instincts instincts for now, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he progresses uh, in the next year or two here. Anyway, um, also I wanted to touch on, obviously Brown's a centerman, and last year they picked Colin White as well, so now they have Kyle Turris, Mika Zibanejad, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Colin White, and Logan Brown. White and Brown probably won't be on the roster next year, but do you think this has any long-term implications? Do you think Zibanejad could be moved to the wing or could be traded or something like that? Probably not this offseason, but do you think that could happen in 27-18? Well, I think if they're keeping all of them, I think Pajot is the one that moves to the wing, uh, but I don't think that's the case because we obviously we've heard that <clears throat> if there's going to be a guy out of those out of those guys that are going to be traded, it's going to be Mika Zibanejad. But... Um, and, and if, if I'm Pierre Dorian, that's the guy that I'm moving. Um, but obviously, White's going back for a year uh, to university. Um, Logan Brown, I don't think, is going to have a chance to make it this year. And so you're really looking down the road like two or three years at the least. I, th I, think, I think White might be with the team in a couple of years. Brown, maybe two or three. But you... Kyle Turris is definitely going to be a, a solid guy on the team w within three years. Make his advantage, Ed, like he's another young guy. So yeah, you definitely have to think about that uh, looking forward. I think then you'd have to trade someone. I think that's going to be Mika Zibanejad. 
Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, it's definitely a good problem to have. The fact that they have three legitimate top nine centers right now. and Especially because we were just thinking, like, this season we were kind of panicking a bit, right? Like, we were right, looking, right. Um, the, like, who was going to play on the fourth lane? Was it going to be Curtis Lazar? Was it going to be Nick Paul? Was it going to be Zach Smith, right? So um, I don't know what they're going to do with Zach Smith this year, if he's going to be a winger in the, the, the uh, top nine or if he's going to move up to the top. I don't yeah, see I probably seen top third six, line winger there. Yeah, he's, not, he's, a, he's definitely a guy that I, I see his... Like he's um, he can, could play both. It's equal for me, center or wing. But yeah, I, like you said, it's it's a really nice problem to have, especially with the center position. Other than defense, that's the that's the best thing to have a plethora of solid uh, top six or top nine centers. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely happy with. I, I think um, I think if you're looking for longevity, I think you're looking at White's your number one, then maybe Brown is two, and three is Turris is in like people that you'd like to to move forward with, and then Zibanejad is obviously that fourth, so I, I see him moving, but like you said, it's definitely a really good problem to have. Right, like, I, I would love to see Colin White play this year. Uh, I know he's committed to Boston College next year, but we don't really have to rush him. We we don't have a problem at center unless, you know, Turris and Zibanejad go down or something like that, but um, we don't have to rush him like we rushed Curtis Lazar and Cody Cece, so that's something that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, Lazar, we, we you know it's funny we didn't talk about Lazar in that list because right, right. <laughs> some of us yeah, I don't is he is he wing on... center like I I I don't really know. <laughs> well, I don't I don't think see that being the problem. I think that we've kind of given up on Curtis Lazar the top 6 forward as a dream because I have, yeah. Yeah, I mean for me I I think uh, best possible case is that he ends up being a good third line guy. I'd love to see him move into a top 6 uh, top 6 forward position, but I think that's either very far down the road or impossible now that he's been moved into a, you know, a, a checking line kind of person. Like, it, I don't, I won't, you know, blame the guys that he's played with because it's not really their fault that he's playing with them, right? But, um, you know, you look at it like Jared Cowan, Eric Carlson played more games in the AH, 15 more games in the AHL than Jared Cowan, if you're not talking about Jared Cowan going back down there for the playoffs, talking about regular season. Um, and how many games does Curtis Lazar play in the AHL? Yeah, none. Exactly. So um, I think you can definitely look at both of them being uh, cases of, of either rushing them or just thinking that, you know, oh, it's going to be completely fine. Like Curtis Lazar was a very mature player when he came to the team. He was a very mature player in the way that he acted, but also the way he played. Like he was um, defensively, he was, he was, I think he was def- defensively sound and he was a hit first guy, which people, I think, when you look at that, um, you see a very uh, reliable player, right? The NHL is super uh, physical, especially compared to the junior leagues. And if a guy like that is willing to get into the play and, and bang bodies and, and, and dump the puck in and whatever, I think you, you look at that as a mature uh, a professional hockey player already. And I think that's one of the things that made them uh, push him to play in the NHL. Right. I feel like he's a very Dave Cameron-esque player in that He's going to be safe. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's going to forecheck. He's going to play probably decent defensively. But I just don't see any creativity in his game. Like, I remember it seemed like his first five career goals were all within the crease. Within five feet of the yeah. goal line. It, it's yeah. amazing. I, I just don't see he has the hands for it. Like, you look at a player like Zach Smith. Now, he's known as a grinder, but he's got a hell of a shot. I just don't really see that with Lazar. Fair enough. And I, yeah, a lot of dump and chase off the boards and try and get it by people. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, we weren't even supposed to really touch on Lazar, but that's okay. Um, 
Going back to the draft, though, was there anybody else that you had your eye on instead of Brown? Someone that went oh, yeah. ahead of 11 or after either one? I think we were all in the uh, the Keller-Jost uh, yeah. package there. Like, I'd, <coughs> I'd love to have um, Clayton Keller, but um, actually he was one of the guys that um, uh, that Jeff Brown was, was, um, uh, was touching on when I talked to him the other day. Like, um, he, he's an outstanding player and definitely... He was being underrated by a lot of the draft, um, uh, a lot of the, the, sure, the scouts yeah. that were putting him. I, don't know, I, I saw something like tw- 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, like all in those spots, and he ended up going, what did he end up going? Like seven, eight, seven to the Coyotes. Seven. And I think, honestly, I think that's a steal because yep. he could have went sixth or fifth. Like I honestly would have taken him then. Um, and then there's Tyson Jost, which I'm, uh, I think you also got to look at, look at it. He's coming from the BCHL, so it's kind of difficult to gauge um, – the competition that he's played against and the the stats that he's put up, even but I really um, I really do think that him and Fabro were, were two guys that could have put up si- not not similar numbers but really 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 good numbers in the uh, the Western Hockey League had they played there. Right. So those were two guys that I liked. Um, I would have actually rather them take Jake Bean uh, over Logan Brown. I think Jake Bean uh, was. Uh, likely the best offensive defenseman in that draft, um, and guy plays bigger than he actually is. I think he's like six one or something like that, but he actually does play a big game. Um, so yeah, those I I, I think I would have I would it would have been nice for Keller and Jost to to fall down, but I would have taken Jake Bean over Logan Brown. But having said that, I really really do think that Logan Brown is a good pick at that spot. No, for sure, I I totally agree with those three guys you had there. I had. Keller number one, Joseph number two, and I guess B number three as well. Um, you know, you look at Clayton Keller's numbers, 107 points in 62 games in the U.S. development program, and then 37 in 23 in the USHL. I mean, those were similar numbers that Patrick Kane put up. So Have you have you seen him play? Uh, I mean, highlights. I haven't really like highlights, haven't right? seen him live. Have you, have you watched him stick handle? Like, just focused on that for a bit? I assume it's amazing. It's unreal. So there, there's only one guy that I would actually, and I, I like to think of it as it's the new age of stick handling. You didn't see this before guys like Jonathan Drouin, before guys like um, like Johnny Goudreau. The way they stick handle, it's been, it's been, it's so much more wrist movement. I, I'd love, I'd love to be able to do like not a study on it, but I'm a, like get some some scouts um, knowledge on it because it's so it, the stick handling nowadays from the guys like like if you watch Drouin, it's like. It's like he he has so much control that he can do anything that he wants with it, and the puck is going 100 miles per hour between the blade. And I think Clayton Keller has that stick handling. I just watch it, and it's just like it's just so smooth and so quick at the same time. And he's able to shoot or pass or dangle someone uh, in in the position that he has on the puck, like all, the, all those three things. If he's winding up for a shot, that means he could either shoot or dangle you or pass it off. Like it, it's it's one of those things where he has so many options because he's such a good stick handler. Yeah, for sure. I, I honestly believe he's going to be a top-notch player in the league. And you were mentioning guys like Drouin and Goodrow and Keller as well. And I think one of the common things that they all have is that they're all smaller players. Like Keller's 5'10", you know, which isn't tiny Fair or anything. <clears throat> so I think it's these guys that they have to adapt. They, they have to have hands or else you have to have hands and you have to have speed if you're small or else, like, you don't really have anything, right? Um, so definitely, like, Keller's just got so much skill and now you look at you look at what the coyotes have with max domi clayton keller christian dvorak uh anthony declare all those guys 
the defenseman that they got, they got Chikrin. Did they get Chikrin? Yep. They got Chikrin and they traded and, for Anthony D'Angelo. Keller. Unreal. Yeah, so they had a hell of a draft. <laughs> uh, analytics will never work, though. Nope, never does. <laughs> John Chaika, he's uh, what is he, five <clears> years older than you? That guy can do. Uh, he's six years older. Six years older. That's amazing. <laughs> anyway, um, moving on from Logan Brown in the first round, what did you think about the rest of the Sens draft? They only had four other picks because they did not have a pick in the third or the seventh. But what did you think of the other four? Um, <clears throat> there's a, a Swede that they took, uh, uh, Jonathan Dallet. Dallet. Yep, Don. Uh, in that was their 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 second round pick at the forty second. Um, I think that guy. It, it's too bad that he that he's a um, he's a, he's a small kid um, and he does need to work on his skating, but and I guess his physical play. But I, like he. If you're looking at his skill alone and his stick handling and the way he passes the puck, the way he uh, sees his teammates, his hockey IQ, um, he was a top 15 skill guy in the draft. Top 15, uh, 17, 18, something like that. Um, and just like watching his highlights, uh, seeing what people people said. Also, it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt that he has a connection to Eric Carlson, right? Right, right, you exactly. Saw that, right? Um, but I, I really, really, I did like that pick. The other pick that I really was high on. Um, was Max Lajoie. Oh, same. Uh, super underrated because the Swift Current Broncos had such a horrible season. Um, also not a very, like, like. did you know that the Swift Current Broncos were they existed before before this season? Only, only because like, a guy from my, uh, Western guy. only because a guy from yeah. my hometown plays for them, but that's it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, that was just one of the teams I was like, like, I learn about new WHL teams all the time. <laughs> well, also, I guess... Uh, for the listeners who don't know, obviously I live in Vancouver, so one of the few Sens fans out here. But um, yeah, obviously I, I know a bit more about the WHL, but I mean, yeah, anyways, current Broncos yeah. are kind of, yeah, random team. <laughs> Lajoie, big, uh, he's not not necessarily big, but he's apparently got a, a decent two-way game, really, really good offensive defenseman. He had he had 40 um, points in uh, in his rookie season. Yeah, and he was, yeah, he was second in rookie defenseman uh in that season, only behind Ivan Provorov, who had 61. I'd so, say yeah, that's I mean, pretty good. Good company. Good company. Yeah. <laughs> and what about who was uh, their last pick? Marcus Nurmi. Do you know anything about him? I don't know much about him. Um, apparently, he's a he's he's a very um, <clears throat> I don't know who I who I would uh, who I would uh, uh, relate him to, but. He's a, a very, very, very good uh, defensive uh, forward. Uh, the the scouting report on him is basically that he wins puck battles. He's very reliable in his own end. And they teams up. This is a quote, actually, that I saw. I don't know who. Maybe it was Hockey, hockey prospect, Prospectus or something like that. But he teams up with the defenseman really well. He works really well with his uh, with his, with the D pairings to take down systems, to to take, take the puck away from the other team. Um, and doesn't leave the zone early. Uh, has some offensive flash, but he's no—he's by no means um, a guy that's that's going to work the power play for you very well, or um, create a lot of offense. But uh, he's a very—he's a safe player. How's that? Right, and you're you're always going to need organizational guys like that. They're not all going to have these huge ceilings. Um, I did find it interesting though that this was obviously a Miko Rutu pick, who is uh, one of the Senators' scouts, and I found it interesting. This was their first pick. Uh, of a Finnish player, or at least from the Finnish league, I think since 2005, which is 
insane. I thought they definitely had a lot more since then. They haven't picked a, a Finn in 11 years? Yeah, and, and unless, unless it might have been from the Finnish league, but um, yeah, it was. I believe it was 11 years. <coughs> and um, also about the last pick, the fourth rounder, Todd Burgess. Uh, he was a bit of a stretch there, but you have any insight on him? Uh, you know what? That's one of the guys that um, the one of the guys that I wasn't able to to find any footage on. Uh, the scouting report is basically that he's a he was the captain of his uh, his Fairbanks. Um, what's the Fairbanks? Oh God! Um, I do not know. Maybe it was I, I couldn't even recognize Fairbanks. the league. It was Fairbanks. some yeah the the some USHL, NAHL. It was. I don't think it was the USHL. It was the. I don't even know. <laughs> Anyways, um, you know, guys, a a good offensive player, captain of the team, so great character there, um, <laughs> and apparently a, a great two-way player. But I mean, that's that's all I can really tell you about. I'm I'm actually I'll be talking to his 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 coach tomorrow. So if we were doing this podcast uh, t- tomorrow night, I'd have a bit more on you, but I'm. Uh, other than that, that's that's basically all I can tell you about him. Yeah, and he's also an overager too. So the Sens have had some odd uh, picks in the middle rounds from these American guys. They had they picked twenty year old Christian Wallany in last year. Um, you know, he obviously he can still become something, but they seem to always have one sort of off the board random middle of the round pick. That yeah, you know, I saw that Burgess was uh, supposed to go in the seventh round or undrafted. So you know, fourth round was a bit of a stretch, but. I do agree. I liked uh, Dolan and Lejoie picks. So they only had five picks, but I kind of liked who they got. Yeah, I really definitely think they have three three really decent prospects coming out of that. Yeah, for sure. With a uh, with the kicker being Brown at being a, a an elite a guy that a guy that could turn into an elite player. Right. Now speaking of their farm system, I just put up an article today talking about after two years of their system, their farm system, that is, being pretty poor. They were ranked twenty as low as 26th in Hockey's Future uh, at the beginning of the 2014-15 season. Now they're probably about back to average. They got, you know, Tom Shabbat, Colin White, Francis Perron, Logan Brown, guys like that. Do you agree that it's about average? It's not necessarily amazing, but it's it's fine now? I think it's, I think it's average, yeah. Um... I think you've got three guys that are going to be, I think, no matter what, NHL talents in White, in Shabbat, and in Brown. Um, I'm actually not as high on Perron as a lot of other people are, even though I, I just see that him being, um, what is he, 19 or 20 years old, right? Yeah, 20. I just see like him playing with Timo Meyer, being a 20-year-old, putting up that many points, especially in the QMJHL. I think people are... When they see that, they like they want to be excited about that. But I just see that as um, he had a really really good season. He is a, a talented player, but I don't think it's the um, the aha moment that um, that everyone's seeing it as. I, I think he's going to be an NHL player, hopefully. Um, but I, I just I just I'm not as high as, as everyone else is on him. Although I, I I do see that it's it's nice that he was able to to turn a season around, or turn his, not last season, but I guess a uh, junior career, right? Because um, being drafted in the seventh round, maybe that gave him a bit of uh, extra extra t- kick to, to have a, a great season, go to, you know, work out well in the summer. But 
Um, yeah, I'm definitely excited about him, but I, I just see that there are three guys, and then the list kind of drops off a bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely have to see how he does uh, in Binghamton this year. And, you know, if he puts up 50, even 60 points, then okay, then I think we got a legitimate prospect. But if he struggles, maybe gets 25, 30, then okay, pump the brakes a bit. Uh, one thing I do find encouraging, though, even though he was drafted in the seventh round, he did have 55 points in 68 games in his draft year. So, you know, it's not like he was a slouch and then even 76 points uh, two years ago. So, obviously, QMJHL, you got to adjust a bit because it's probably the most offense-heavy league out of all of them. But Definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he's fine as a mid you know, four, five, six kind of prospect, but he shouldn't really be a top prospect at this point. Um, although he could have, you know, sort of a path like Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman had similar numbers, probably a bit better though. So we'll definitely have to wait and see on Perron. Yeah, then again, like looking at, like he had two MVPs this year. So yeah, yeah. I am kind of like, I'm a guy that, that's that's less high on him, but I don't. I, I could easily just be um, someone that's fawning over him just like everyone else in the organization. But I, I do think he's going to be a very good player. Um, I just don't see him as a shoe-in for the NHL just yet. No, definitely not. I mean, even guys like Colin White and Thomas Shabbat, none of these guys are shoe-ins. You just hope they are, and they have better chances to be. Mm -hmm. But anybody else in the system really stand out to you, Um, like Andreas Englund or what we already talked about, Dolan and Lajoie, or... Were you able... Have you ever seen Marcus Hogberg play? No. But I have I, I have heard some some decent things from people though. Like he's ranked. I saw a couple lists like top ten prospects in the organization. He's ranked like sixth or seventh on a bunch of people's lists. And I saw him at the development camp uh, both summers actually. This this past summer and the summer before. Um, and like again, like nothing special. Like I don't I don't see the uh, this if, if anything like Matt O'Connor wowed me actually huh. uh, at at uh, the player development. Uh, he he let like I saw like two games. He let in one goal through, uh, played both games full all the way through. Um, but yeah, I, I other than that, like I think there is a big drop off after their three or four guys. Um, England, I haven't been able to see much. I I have a good scheduling report on Ben Harper. I don't. Oh God, <laughs> I, Ben Harper. I, I saw Next, Jared Cowan. <laughs> well, yeah, well. <laughs> Jared Cowan will be able to play in the NHL, or was able to play in the in the <laughs> NHL. Yeah, I've not um, yeah, heard very ben, good things on Harper. <laughs> not only is Ben Harper like a slow skater, but he is a very he he doesn't his his decision making process is extremely slow, and I think that scouts might have been um, actually um, uh, ter- turned on by the, his his because he's got he's got good hands and he's very calm. He's cool and collected like Carey Price. Hmm. But the thing is, like he he's just too slow with his. Uh, he really is exposed once it gets to the professional level. I, I saw a tweet uh, saying, "It's just this just really made me laugh." It, something referencing that we don't need any more defensemen. We're loaded. We have you know Andreas Englund, Thomas Shabbat, uh, Freddie Kleisen, and Ben Harper. Ben Harper was included as a reason why we don't need more depth defensemen. So, I mean. Uh, but you definitely need lots of defensemen. And he obviously had a really bad season last year. But you think he can turn it around? I mean, obviously, I'm not going to write him off just yet. But do you think there's something? Do you, still, do you think he still has a chance? Trevor, you and I both know goalies are voodoo. So, yes, oh, no matter are. what, he definitely has a chance. <laughs> and I, I, From what I've seen, I really do like 
Um, his movement, his his reaction. He's a big goalie. Like you're always going to like that in in uh, today's NHL, especially with the goalie pad changes that are coming, no matter what, right. and that actually are already set up for uh, for the next season. Um, like I haven't been able to watch him too much, other than the player development, and uh, I watched a few games when he was playing with Boston University. But I really do think he's a calm, uh, collected guy, big guy, good movement, and has really good reflexes. So why can't he be an NHL goalie? But the thing is, with them, um, you know, if you're ranking guys that have uh, um, the easy, easier projected forwards are the easiest to project, defense the second easiest project, and goalies are the hardest to project. I feel so. Goalies, I mean, you really have it, no idea. Look at Andrew Hammond. A, yeah. It's almost a toss-up, right? So oh, it totally is. I have faith in, in Matt O'Connor. I think he's the, the best. Uh, it, he has the, the highest ceiling of, of goalies in this organization overall, actually. Um, well, I, I, well, if you're not looking at, at guys that are um, uh, like Craig Anderson, who, who's already had a, a great career. But I think he does have a high ceiling, and I think he can fulfill that. Uh, I think last season put a bit of a damper on that. Um, but I, I definitely still have faith in, in what he can become in this league. I think we're going to kind of need him to, to be that next guy because really there isn't anything else after Anderson. Yeah. He's getting but up there in age. You kind of need O'Connor like, to be good. In this in this day and age, like you trade for goalies. <laughs> that's, that's true. That, that's the only thing you hope for. You, you can yeah. you trade for a Martin Jones. You, you trade mean, for Murray. You, did you even know any goalies in this draft? The only guy I knew was Carter Cormier? Hart, who oh, had okay. some amazing stats. Yeah. I, the last goalie that I knew that got drafted was Zach Fucali, and look at where he's ended up. <laughs> yeah, right? he's, like he's been he's, pretty bad. He might not even play in the NHL ever. No, so. you, you shouldn't be drafting goalies in the first <laughs> few rounds. I mean, <laughs> there's no yeah. point. My favorite goalie pick ever actually was a um, – we got 30 rounds, 6 rounds, so it was 180th, 80th pick, I believe. I, I don't, don't, uh, don't quote me on that, but it was – uh, Martin Brodeur uh, drafted his son, so right as, and, as yeah, the last and he, the last pick of the draft. I think he's been terrible too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember when he got drafted. At least he was just not even good numbers at all. But um, yeah. So if you're comparing in my the article I put up today, I sort of compared this farm system currently to the 2011. What it looked like in 2011. And man, that system was just loaded with potential. You had guys like David Runblad, Silverberg. You've got so many guys Cowan, that are NHL Mirkoch, guys now. You're right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hoffman, Stone, Zabanajad, Prince, Pajot, Pompa, like all these guys. But it is funny to see that so many of them either didn't pan out or got traded or both, really. But um. But they were all given a shot, you know? They, they, all, they really they were. All, I mentioned like, all, all those guys got an NHL game. Get a shot. Yep, very true. Yeah, so it, it's pretty amazing. Um, I don't think the system has anywhere close to the depth that it did back then, but it's definitely trending in the right direction, and we kind of need that because there was nobody in the system two years ago when we didn't have White and Shabbat. There was really, like, Perron was probably our best prospect. Trevor, I'm chomping at the bit. I want to get to today's news. Today's news. Well, what happened? Was there a big trade? Big trade, yeah. If you're <laughs> big trade, <laughs> yeah. The Ottawa Senators traded um, Alex Chason for um, Patrick Sailoff. <clears throat> How you pronounce Huge it? Blockbuster, blockbuster trade. Um, but I really want to talk about how. Um, I guess the 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 dynamic around Patrick Weirkosh, and um, right. I think let's just start this off with both of us saying that. 
Uh, I'll ask you a question. Do you think he's worth two point seven million? Ooh, that's tough. It. How is that? I, wait, you think that's a tough question? No, I think for you? it's. I, no, it's context dependent. Because right. if <clears throat> if you're the auto centers, I don't know. Like, if they had the room, it's a no-brainer. But for them, I feel like it, you'd have to move. I don't know. You'd have to try so hard to move like Dion Phaneuf or something. If you had the room, for sure. And I love Weirkoch, but okay, I agree. It get it gets easier with more cap space yes. and not necessarily more cap space, but more money. But I still think you on any team you'd want him at something under two million. But with the Senators, like I, there's no way, there's no way that I would want his contract on this team. And um, but having said that, here's what here's where I'm at with Patrick Weirkoch. I feel bad. I really do feel bad because I think that, and uh, people are going to roll their eyes at this, but if a guy like, okay, let's, let's, let's look at it like, like this. If a guy like Mark Borowiecki or if a guy like Cody Ceci had the season like Patrick Weirkosh did in 2014-15 season where he played, he was the second best defenseman on the team. He outplayed Mark Mathot even though Mark Mathot, I think he was a bit injured that, that year. Um, he was the second best defenseman on the team, and it wasn't it wasn't relatively close either. Not at all. Um, had that great playoffs. Went and won a, a gold medal with Canada at the World Hockey Championships. I don't know how much that plays into uh, scouting and, and what what you think of a player in your evaluation, but nonetheless, it's a gold medal at a World Hockey Championship. Then he comes back and has a horrible year. Uh, we don't know if uh, he was bugged by the injury. Uh, sorry, if he was plagued by the injury bug. Uh, Dave Cameron said he was banged up later in the year, got scratched a bunch of times, um, and now they're just they're cutting ties and saying that he needs a change of scenery. Do you think in your in in your right mind, do you think that if that was Mark Borowiecki, if that was Cody Cece, if that was a guy that they had liked from the start, do you think they'd be cutting ties with him right now, or do you think they'd give him another chance? Like I, I don't I don't see for me like why would you not want to just let him go to UFA, like not qualify him, let him go to UFA. And then try and bring him back on like a 1.4, 1.3, something like well, that. Well, to be right? fair, I mean, we don't know. Maybe they do want to do that, but yeah, I, I no. guarantee you they <laughs> won't. Yeah, I just, I just, Patrick Weirkoch strikes something in my heart that is very dear to me because I feel bad for him because right from the get go, from where he was like uh, a year into playing in the NHL. They thought that he was slow, that he was a big guy that couldn't use his oh, body. Oh, he's a huge scapegoat. That, yeah, that um, you know he might have a bit of off- offensive upside, but he's not that great offensive forward. Like we we need more from you, even though he was producing. Kind of guy like Shane Prince that they thought that he wasn't doing well, even though uh, you know we show you him the numbers. Yeah, totally. They say no, 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 no. It's it's how he's been playing, right? So I I. I for me, Patrick Weirkosh should not be on this team because of the circumstances. I completely understand why Pierre Dorian did not, um, and, and his team did not want to qualify him. I, com- I, I don't really understand why they wouldn't want him back as a, um, as a depth guy on this team if they're going to use him like that. But I do understand this, their situation. Having said that, I do feel for Patrick Weirkosh because he has played to the best of his abilities, I feel, from 2012 to 2015. Had a bit of a rough year this year, but they just, he was always the guy that you're one mistake away from us never bringing you back ever again, right? He was always on the edge. He was always the bubble guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay, answer me this. Is he better? It only this. Is he, answer, is he better than Mark Borowiecki? <laughs> yes. <laughs> is he better than Chris Weidman? Yeah, I think is he's better he than Is he better than Mark Mathot? No, I don't know. I don't, I, 
No, either way, I, I either way, he's at he's at worst. That he he's at worst their fourth best defenseman, I'd say. Yeah, I think he had a. I'm gonna absolutely just doused for this, but I think he had a better season than Cody Cece. I, I think the same. We we graded similarly at the end of the year. You know, yeah, yeah. If you look at what were we doing the uh, the reports on that? You right? were a bit for, more. Uh, um, bit more lenient on Mirakarsh than I was, but still. I was the only guy that actually gave Shane Prinz an A, which was kind of surprising. <laughs> I think I gave him a B. My, uh, yeah, that was, I, I kind of just wanted to stick it to the man on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, other, I guess we could talk about um, uh, the, the, uh, who they, they offered. So, what, do you have the list with you? Yeah, so they, uh, today the Senators, they uh, qualified Casey Bailey, Cody Cece, Freddie Kleisen, Ryan Zingle, Mike Hoffman, Max McCormick, and Matt Pumple. And so that uh, that leaves off – who who does that leave off? Obviously, Weirkoch. Uh, Rutkowski. What's that? Rutkowski. Yeah, Troy Rutkowski. Um, oh, God, I can't even remember his first name. LeDuc? What's his first name? He's an AHL defenseman. Oh I don't know. The, the biggest, the biggest, obviously, the yeah. biggest one – that they left off was Weirkoch, and another notable one is um, Drzinski as well. Yeah, I was very um, not not pleased. You know, you don't ever want to say you're pleased when 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 someone loses their job or whatever. Um, but I was I was I was surprisingly um, uh, like I, I'm I'm glad that that Dorian is taking it because let's be honest, if Brian Murray was at the helm, I I, I really think uh, Dave Drzinski would be back on this team. Yep. He's a guy like McCormick that they really did like because of um, you know whatever uh, his grit and toughness. his his yeah toughness and his willing to, to bang bodies and get on the forecheck and stuff like that. But we didn't see a lot of skill from him. We didn't see a lot of production. We didn't see him a lot of, of chemistry with his line mates. We didn't see a lot of of um, of just going out there and actually uh, creating offense. Right. So that was one of the one of the the, the lighter things of today that that I liked about um, the decisions made by management was. Uh, unfortunately, letting uh, Dave Drzinski go. So um, nice to see that. I, I liked the uh, that uh, that they brought Single back. That they brought Pumble back. Hoffman, obviously, um, and CC. Like those are guys that you have to have. But I, I think today went went relatively well. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I can't believe that Drzinski has lasted this long in the organization. If you remember, like. They traded for Matt Cassian in 2012-13 season because Jerzinski got knocked out against the Leafs there. I mean, oh, man. How old is he? I think he's, what, 25, 26 now? He's just... Jerzinski? Yeah, I mean, he's been around for so long, and he just really doesn't bring anything to the table. And like you said, obviously, it's not... I don't... It doesn't bring me any happiness that he's out of a job right now, but... Dave Jerzinski is 26 years 26, old. 26, exactly. He's, yeah. he's nothing more... I mean, really, he's like an AHL fourth liner. He's not an NHL fourth liner, and there's really no need to bring him back. I'd rather have another young prospect in that AHL lineup, and he shouldn't ever be called up, really. He doesn't bring anything. Um, there, really, there wasn't that many surprises. I guess I was sort of surprised that Drzinski wasn't qualified, but, I mean, not really. Yeah. And there wasn't that many hard decisions made today. We were able to see a lot of... Um... Uh, a lot of AHL talent this year, actually, with with all the injuries. So yeah. it's nice that we actually do have a bit of a grasp on who we have down there, because um, obviously, like you don't watch much Binghamton Senators yeah. hockey. Um, I don't think a lot of us do, but you know, seeing. Uh, uh, I really think uh, 
Dzingel is an NHL player. I think he could play with the NHL club the full 82, 82 games next year. I'm not sold on Matt Pumble. I never was, and I don't think I will be unless he improves. Um, he's a very small guy who got a couple of goals because Bobby Ryan created um, amazing plays last season, and I think it was, again, at the start of this season, he actually got a couple of goals off Bobby Ryan's right. playmaking abilities. Um, they like to say that he's scored at every level, but he's a very he's he's a very weak player. I think I think his skating could improve as well. Um, he's weak on the puck and weak on on the body. So um, he's another guy that I think is he's going to have to prove himself before I'd, I'd want him to play actual NHL minutes. Yeah, and, and the numbers don't support Pumple either. He was just getting killed out there uh, for shot attempt differentials. And you're right, like he he has had a decent OHL career, and even last year he played well in Binghamton from from what I've heard and from what the stats say. But, yeah, I mean, at the age of 23, it, would you not say that this year is kind of make or break for him? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, maybe they extend a couple of years for him. But I'm. Uh, what do you think about McCormick getting, getting uh, re-upped there? I mean, I, I don't really want him on the NHL roster. He, he should really be like 14th, 15th kind of guy. Like, you call him up maybe if... He's a fat firecracker. I like yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, he... <laughs> For some reason, I had kind of grouped Zingle and McCormick together, and I think most people had earlier in the year, but they're vastly different players. And McCormick's very... definitely a fourth liner and nothing more than that. He, yeah, I don't, he's kind I don't of a Chris Neal replacement. Yeah, I don't get the infatuation with, with the fighting and with no. the going out there and trying to you know, ruin someone's day or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but I, do say, I do see there is a bit of potential in Max McCormick, but not much at all. He's a small guy that's a quick skater but I don't think he has a skill to like a guy like Zingle with which, who I would love to have like I'd love to have Zingle play the third line the entire year if the, if 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 we're only going to sign like a depth UFA guy for the forward group this season I would love to have Ryan Dzingle on a line with Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Zach Smith this season for our third line right the, the only thing that worries me about relying on if we have say Ryan Dzingle and I guess maybe Nick Paul or something like that starting the season on the on the forward group, I worry about the depth because last year you had Clark MacArthur and, and Kyle Turris out for a long time, and then you had other guys go down as well, and then all of a sudden you're playing Max McCormick a lot. You had Alex Chason in the top six. So I do hope they could – I mean, in a perfect world, they'd sign two um, UFAs, a guy like maybe Brandon Peary who was not offered a qualifying – or did not have a qualifying offer today, or Jamie mm. McGinn, guys like that. It won't cost too much um so i do worry about injuries and stuff like that but you're right i i would like to see what zingle can can bring on the third line and even paul like paul's fine for the fourth line i don't think he'll be anything amazing but you know he's a fourth line player yeah, he's, like, a fourth he's line not the player. fastest guy that's it he's a he's a big guy I, I think he's gonna do well on that line because um he can play both sides of the offensive game like he's a big guy that can bang bodies and get get the puck in deep but he's also Someone that we saw that played actually a pretty good offensive role with Chris Neal, like that was able to. Not necessarily they didn't score a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, they did. They did create a decent amount of offense, especially uh, with Nick Paul at the at the helm there at center. So I I am excited to see what he what he does. He's the last bit of the the Spezza trade, right? Um, so I think they might be a bit reluctant to uh, you know to to get rid of him. Maybe there's a pride thing there, but um. Uh, um, I think this it, it's not his last opportunity, but I do think that he needs to impress if he wants to be an NHL player next season. Yeah, I, I think he's a totally fine option. It just it would be a bit worrying if 
uh, maybe both of Turris and, say, Zibanejad or Turris and Peugeot go down. All of a sudden, you got Nick Paul in the top six, something like that. But in a fourth-line role, I agree, he's totally fine. And let's uh, let's see what he can do. Now, I briefly mentioned some of the free agents. Um, do you have any free agent predictions for Ottawa? Do you think they're going to sign anyone on Friday? Or are they going to do absolutely nothing like they did last year? I'll be very quick and brief. I think we're going to be signing someone that played um, either very low NHL minutes last season or who was a good AHL player for our depth up at forward. Maybe you'll see someone get signed for our uh, sixth or seventh defenseman, although I do think they're going to give uh, uh, Thomas Chabot a try. But like Pierre Dorian said, um, he's confident with, with his forward corps. He's confident with his, his team going forward. I think here on in, uh, the most noise that's going to be made is going to be by us bloggers and by the media. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting out uh, to Nova Scotia and re- relaxing and going to the cottage and whatever because I don't think you're going to hear a lot um, from the Senators this season unless it's going to be contracts. Right. I ugh, I got to say, that that's pretty depressing. I mean... I think it'd be pretty hard to sell to this fan base that this exact team is good enough because, I mean, to me, they're a wild card at best. You know, you, you hope that MacArthur's healthy, Kurt Terrace is healthy, all that. So that would be pretty depressing if they signed, you know, like another Mike Koska sort of guy. Um, Dorian did mention that he wanted to get a, a third-pairing defenseman, so hopefully he can get that. You know, maybe, you never know, maybe he goes um, semi-big and makes makes a trade for a defenseman or something. I, I don't think it's likely, but he's not Brian Murray, so you, you never really know. Uh, new GM here. But, right. yeah, I got to say, like, last year was just so depressing seeing Condra go and then seeing, oh, we signed Zach Stortini and Eric O'Dell and Koska. I mean. Last year was definitely a step back, I think. But, um, uh, yeah, it was difficult to see that um, Condra was – Basically, um, was given 1.25 by the Lightning, and what was it? Three years, I think. Three years, yeah. Yeah, and went back to Ottawa saying, "If you match it, I will stay." Yep. Um, and then them not saying yes to that, and then us seeing that the depth and Eric Condra is a guy that has he ever been injured in his entire career? Like I can't remember any time. <laughs> I, I I don't know, but I I think he's a very stable yeah. guy, right? Um, de- definitely could have used uh, his healthy body in the lineup last year. So yeah, cheap contract and. Uh, definitely could have could have used him this year and this coming year. Anyways, uh, any more thoughts on free agents, or should we wrap this up? Not on up? free agents, but um, uh, I wanted to make a comment on your. Uh, you said you got to Maddie Gosens, Jerv Rebrand, yep. or whatever his, his name yep. is. Did he, you he, uh, did the, the logo for this. That is one of the smartest things ever because for the Battle of Ontario, uh, it took us two and a half months to get on iTunes <laughs> because the picture has to be like three thousand pixels or something like that. I actually had to buy something with my my leftover <laughs> iTunes cards for twenty seven dollars on the market um, to make this this picture uh, good enough for iTunes. So I, so good on you. You're getting. I think there. I'm good. It, it just needed to be certain height and uh, height and width, and I think I got it. So yeah, and I love the logo. It looks great. I don't I don't think anyone's seen it besides me. But I haven't I, I haven't seen it yet either. Send it to me. Yeah, I will. Me a a, a pre screening. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, well, I think I've kept you long enough, Callum. Uh, but before I let you go, for the few who don't know you, where can they find you on social media? Where can they find me? Callum Fraser 18. That's C A L L U M F R A C R 
1-8 on Twitter. Um, got the Battle of Ontario radio show. You can That's linked everywhere. I write for Silver 7 Sends. And I am now a proud employee of CFRA and Bell Media. So hopefully, who knows, that might turn into something. So I'm, I'm excited um, to be working this summer with them. And um, I'm hoping, uh, you know what? Here's, here's a little inside information. I, Ooh, I'll be talking with them. Um, uh, I'll be talking with with uh, Senator's prospect Mac, Max Lajoie wow. in about uh, in about half an hour. So hopefully uh, we get that up on Silver Sevens this week. Um, yeah, yeah, so, pretty awesome. Uh, I'm uh, looking forward to that. All right, thanks for having me on. Uh, by the way, Max. yeah, thanks again. Um, I mean, first guest. Yeah, thanks for coming on, and hopefully I can have you again in the future. Should be pretty fun. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Let me know when. All right. Well, thanks to Callum Fraser for coming on, and one last thing here. If you like the podcast, please go to iTunes and rate and review. And I'd love to get some feedback, good or bad, hopefully good. And you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So if you like the first episode, please subscribe so you get the next episode right away on your phone. You can find me on Twitter at ShackTS or a couple times a week at Silver7Sends talking about a variety of things. And hell, if you want my Snapchat, <laughs> add me at Trevor underscore Shackles. Uh, if, if you have other friends or family that are Sens fans, please tell them about the podcast. Say there's this really cool guy from Vancouver who's starting a podcast that just talks Sens all day. I know it's the off-season, but there should be quite a few things to discuss unless uh, Callum's uh, proclamation comes true that nothing happens. Uh, but hopefully there's some things that happen in July. Uh, anyway, thanks for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time as well. Adios. Adios.